Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Patrick, I would love you to meet Melissa Baffa. Melissa, how are you? I'm excellent. How are uh, you? Welcome to the show. <laughs> we got a, a listener you should know. We have. I'm looking at a huge smile across the face, <laughs> which I'm sure does you well as you're, um, you're the vice president of program and volunteer services for the Girl Scouts of the Central Coast. And Girl Scouts, is that a, na- a, a global thing or is that a, a, an American thing? Well, Girl Scouts started in America, but we actually are part of an international global organization called the World Association of Girl Guides and Scouts. Oh, yeah. So um, there actually are Girl Scouts or equivalent to Girl Scouts, Girl Guides worldwide. And, and how is... I mean, that was, I'm, I'm thinking as a child, that was, you know, I'm of a certain age and Girl Scouts were a big deal. Where, where are Girl Scouts in the consciousness of young women today? The Girl Scout movement is still really strong. It has had to evolve over its 104-year sure, history. 104. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So many of the badges and activities that were available back during those days are still available, but we've evolved and added more modern complements. So now, for example, we have a digital photography badge. Nice. Yes. So uh, Girl Scouts is constantly evolving. We are looking at the needs of girls, and really our mission is to build girls of courage, confidence, and character. And uh, I like to say that we plant seeds. And we never know what's going to bear fruit. And so we provide a variety of different opportunities for girls and experiences that, you know, and skills that will carry forth with them as adults. We had a guest on the show, Russell Bishop, who talked to us about Frances Hesselbein, who in the, do you know who she is? Yes. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, who talked about a She came on when there wasn't a mission. Right, right. And she said the mission was to help girls achieve their potential. Exactly, exactly. And and I also look at it as a great opportunity for girls to try things that they maybe never would have tried and never would have, you know, realized that they had that interest in them. So it's such an incredible opportunity for them to just do really unique things and to develop who they are as people in their own leadership skills. What is the volunteer services piece of this? So our council uh, stretches from um, Ventura County all the way up through Santa Cruz County. So six counties, 11,000 girls. That's the entire 805. Yeah. For me. Entire 805, yeah. And and, uh, 5,500 volunteers. What? My staff that serves these girls is only four of us to spread across that whole distance. So we couldn't do what we do without our volunteers. So the volunteer services piece of what we do is supporting our volunteers to help deliver the curriculum called the GSLE, the Girl Scout Leadership Experience, to those 11,000 girls. So I'm, I'm learning so much here. I, uh, you brought us in. Uh, you brought us in some patches. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell us about this patch. 
So as you are probably aware of the fact that part of the Girl Scout and even Boy Scout experience is earning a variety of badges and patches. And so the patch that I brought you today is related to uh, a program that I'm participating in this year. I also had the great honor of participating last year. I'm a science communication fellow with the Ocean Exploration Trust. And this fellowship program is available to formal and informal educators. And so part of what we do when we go to sea with the ship is we actually help to communicate down to the appropriate level for the audience that we're speaking with what it is that's going on aboard the ship. We do that through live interactions with schools, aquaria, museums, etc. We also do that through the internet portal. So as we are diving, there is a live signal that's fed mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. to the world I in real that. time. I love that. And then the world can participate and send us questions back live. Now, you're doing that with um, Dr. Robert Ballard. Yes. Who's been to Santa Barbara a couple of times. He went he's, to school at UC Santa Barbara. He's a hero. He right? is a hero. He's a total hero. And he's, I mean, I'll put in the show notes, I'll, I'll put some links to him. He's a very big deal, yeah. and and I, the maritime interests, let's say, of this region are long a long history. The Marine Science Institute. The, I mean, there's just so many different things. It's a perfect uh, ecosystem to study, and it's one of the treasures that we have in the region. So, what is it you're going to get to do with him? So, what we do as fellows. Uh, we, we go out to sea for yeah. a period of time. How many how many fellows are there? This season we have 17 because our okay. season's so a, a, nice a little short. Cohort. It's a small cohort. People yeah. from around the world yeah. um, are selected. Uh, again, formal and informal educators, so classroom teachers, but informal educators may be people who work at zoos and aquaria and places like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or Boys and Girls Club, you know, things like that where we have access to kids because sure. really Dr. Ballard's intent is to inspire that next generation of STEM professionals. Really? Absolutely. So I run a STEM site where I've got 9,000 educators from around the world for NASA. Yes. It's called NEON, the uh, NASA Educators Online Network. So I'm, I'm, this is conversations even getting better. Exactly. Well, you know, what's interesting is that ocean exploration, when Dr. Ballard was really starting in his career back in the 60s, um, was they had dreams of a wet NASA. Oh. Oh. Yes. So they really had dreams of, uh, you know, the government continuing to support and um, develop ocean exploration programs to the same extent that NASA was going into the great beyond. So in addition to going to Mars, we go to the Marianas. Exactly. Nice. Good tagline. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. Uh, And and I also want to tell the listener that this is a... um, the, and I don't know if you know this, Patrick. This is a perfect example of someone who heard about the show out on Facebook mm. yes. and wrote a letter and said, I would be a great guest. I don't think you put it that way, but you said, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, uh, I this think really that's cool what thing. I, when I read yes. it, I went, oh, she would be a great guest. Be a great guest. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. When could you be on the show? And that was months ago. Um, and so well, thank you. So again, to the listener, if you're doing something interesting. Let us know about it. You get to get on the show and, and we have a uh, conversation. Yeah? yeah, and thank you for putting that out. I was so excited when I saw that. So I, um, I first, in 1999, 
I had, um, it was a software company, and we had a thing called a sabbatical, right? So you have uh, six weeks off, and I put a couple of them together, I had three months off. And I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. And one of the programmers comes into the office on Monday and said, how was your weekend? And he said, oh, man, I was out diving off of the backside of Anacapa Island, and I was at 60 feet, sandy bottom, sun rays coming through the kelp, and the sea lions were playing with me. Wow. And he painted such a picture of it. I said, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you can. And I went to Anacapa Dive, and I, I had a scubatical. And I learned how to dive and dove over 100 times out on the Channel Islands and around the world. What was your first dive like? Um, Well, you know, one thing that's really interesting about the way we do this on Mm. the EV Nautilus is that we're not going down physically Mm. under the ocean. What? Yes. So I've got to tell you about something called telepresence. Okay. And Um, to do that, I'm going to hit the rewind button just a little bit. Okay. Back to some of the earlier days of ocean exploration. Remember I compared it to wet NASA? Yes. Well, I like to look at ocean exploration as just as exciting, just as dangerous as going into space. Uh, it absolutely Because is. you're going into an environment environment that's entirely inhospitable to human life. Yeah. Right? So uh, that ocean pressure, that water pressure wants to crush your craft. It wants yep. to find its way in. Uh, if something goes wrong with your electrical systems, if there's, heaven forbid, a fire, you know, yes, th- there's sure. all sorts of things that can go wrong. And so what Dr. Ballard had found, one of his frustrations early in his career was that he spent so much time on the descent and ascent up and yep. down in the water yep. column yep. going down in a sub that they got very little bottom time and it was also really dangerous. So he actually started to mull around this concept of sending down robots in our stead right. that could then send they a call signal. They ROVs, right? This, yes, ROVs, okay. remotely operated vehicles. And he coined the term telepresence. And really? I, yes. And I actually, that was him. That was him. I just got to um, see him speak the other night at the Libero Theater, and he said it in a very eloquent, eloquent way that what we're doing with telepresence is we're sending the human spirit Hmm. to the Hmm. bottom of the ocean rather than our delicate, fragile human bodies. Hmm. And I think that that's a really apt way to describe that because not only are we sending the spirit of the people aboard the ship, but we are taking the rest of the world along with us because we have this live, real-time Internet portal. And so my first dive aboard the Nautilus Let me tell you, it's a great story because Dr. Ballard is the person who discovered hydrothermal vents for the first time back in 1977. I I saw that um, there was a TED talk by the Woods Hole guys. Just about that expedition. So he discovered these vents in 1977. Basically, um, at this point, the idea of plate tectonics was starting to gain steam right. as a scientific theory. But the mathematical computations for all of the heat that generated this process weren't lining up. And an idea came huh. up in the community that maybe this missing heat was coming up in the forms of deep sea hot springs. So Dr. Ballard and team went in search of the missing heat. And they went to the Galapagos Spreading Center because they knew it was a very actively spreading area. Right. Only geologists aboard this trip. Right. So they're exploring this zone, and they get a call from the submarine. And the grad student who answers the phone, he says, are you okay? Is everything going all right? 
And the pilot says, yes, but isn't the ocean down here supposed to be like a desert? And the grand student says, yes. And he goes, but there's all these animals down here. Hmm. Because up until this point, scientists had thought all life on Earth was dependent upon the sun's energy in some mm-hmm. way, photosynthesis mm-hmm. or right. decomposition right, right, of products. Right, right. Well, here was this whole ecosystem, thousands of feet deep in complete darkness under intense pressure. And not only did you have almost zero temperatures, but then if you wandered over toward one of these hot springs, searing, scalding hot temperatures, 1,500 degrees right, right, potentially. Right. So really extreme environment. And they were stunned to find this entire ecosystem, and they knew, wow, we have something really big here. And in fact, they did. They had discovered an entirely new ecosystem dependent upon a process called chemosynthesis okay. for their, their food web. And they took it back to the world, and this completely turned biology on its ear. When, what year was this? 1977. Yeah. And this was Ballard's expedition. Now, it's funny. If you hear Ballard talk, people say, oh, I want to hear about the Titanic. He goes, I don't want to talk about the Titanic. (laughs) I want to talk about things like hydrothermal vents and things that are really exciting. And so he considers this to be one of the greatest finds of his entire career. Wow. So my first dive was getting to go back to that same spot with Dr. Ballard, his first time there in 38 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like goosebumps, right? So now if you're not... You're not physically there. Do you all get in the same, the, the fellows all got in the same place with him and you, I'm imagining you're in some kind of uh, network operations center with a lot of monitors and you're looking at things and you're controlling it. Is that You correct? got it. So basically it's called the control van yeah. and it's up on one of the top decks of the ship. And in it, you've got two rows of people with, you're right, exactly, a lot of monitors. It's a very dark space. So you're space. actually on location. You're just not under the water. Exactly. So so the ROV is tethered to the ship. Yes. Got it. And so in the control van, you've got um, one fellow who's on watch. You've got a video engineer. You've got a couple of um, pilots who are piloting you the get two to ROVs. Well, I get to man that internet portal with all the questions coming in from oh, around the world. Oh, got it. And so uh, we also have our navigator and our science team in, in, in the control all van. Fellows. Um, well, many of them are volunteers. So we have oh. a variety of internship programs through the Ocean Exploration Trust. So any high school or college students who may be listening to this, there are opportunities to go and do so if you hands-on Google learning. Ocean Exploration Trust, you can figure out yes. when is the next. I want to we'll tease the to application the next. periods uh, usually open in the late fall yeah. and run through the very early uh, part of the year, like uh, end of. December, beginning right. of January is usually when they and close. And then you build your team and your expedition is just weeks away, right? Yes. I actually leave in two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Where are you going? So I'm really excited this time. Not quite as exotic as the Galapagos Islands, <laughs> but it's our backyard. So what? I actually get to join the ship in San Diego yeah. and, and get off in Los Angeles. And we're exploring an area called the Southern California Margin. And so this is the water that I've been swimming and kayaking sure. and surfing my whole life. Right. Really exciting. Wow. Yeah. What, it, what, what are you looking for this time? So there's a variety of things that we're looking at. One being that this is a major place where uh, a couple of big plates meet up. 
Okay. So we've got the North American plate that's actually um, meeting up with the Pacific plate. Is that why we have the, the Pacific Rim and the earthquakes and all of that? Absolutely. Got it. So what we're doing... So you look at that at the ocean floor level? At the ocean floor level. Got it. Yeah. And so there's an estimate that as much as 20% of the motion that occurs between these plates occurs in this margin that we're going to be exploring. How close is that to shore? Very close. A mile? Two miles? In ten some miles? places, yeah. Yeah, so it, it really, what's interesting actually is this region, even though it's one of the most transited areas on the planet, it's actually one of the least explored. Because huh. so, it's right there in our own backyard. Exactly, Got exactly. It. And we have these major ports. We have San Diego, we have Port Wainimi, our own Port Wainimi. Right. We have the Port of Los Angeles, which is right. the combined ports of uh, Long Beach and San Pedro. And that's a major, major shipping hub. And so there's constantly ships going in and out, very heavily used, heavily trafficked region, but like I said, very poorly understood. What are you looking forward to the most? <sighs> you know, I, I really enjoy all of the people hmm. that are assembled. You being, you being the interface to the, to the world through the chat. Yeah. You're the right person for that. Yeah. Well, and, and the team that is assembled, the core of exploration that's brought together by the Ocean Exploration Trust is remarkable. Uh, really all ages, all backgrounds, really smart, interesting, very easy to get along with people. Obviously, you're trapped on a ship with them for a period of weeks, so they better be. Um, but they've the trust has done a really good job of attracting Really high quality. How many people. years have they been doing this? Actually, the foundation was only um, founded back in 2008. So it's real, and, and the funding came from. Funding comes from a variety of sources. Um, one of the things that Dr. Ballard is genius at is cobbling together funding. So remember earlier I mentioned this idea of a wet NASA and that dream. Well, as we know, that dream really never came to fruition. Right. And so. What he has had to do pretty much his whole career is cobble together a variety of funding, sometimes through governmental programs like NOAA or even the U.S. Navy, right, has an interest. Um, but then other private interests are interested in what's underneath all that water. For example, as you can imagine, oil and gas companies, very uh, sure, interested in sure. understanding the sure. dynamics of the, the seafloor. So um, he cobbles together funding from a variety of sources. And, um, you know, there are some funders that tend to be um, consistent, like I mentioned, you know, the Navy, NOAA. Um, I believe this season we also have CITGO, which is another one of the major funders. Um, but, you know, he's just constantly out there working it and spreading the excitement and wonder of ocean exploration and trying to bring on more funders to support the work. Which is why he was at the Libero doing that, and that was a fundraising Getting, getting, get people excited and they come in, how can I help? Exactly. Right. Well, and he's also really eager to help build a community STEM program here in Santa Barbara, being that he's got that personal connection to UC Santa Barbara. Right. He recognizes the rich resources we have here with the Channel Islands National Marine Sanctuary right. Right. and the other programs. So this is one Science of those Institute targets. Institute out at UCSB. And exactly. Yeah, there's um, a, a part of the fun piece of this show is helping the world know, because we have listeners from you know, 46 countries who listen right now, uh, to call attention to what's going on in this region. Because mm -hmm. we're doing things here that have global importance. Uh, right. We're doing a TEDx Santa Barbara uh, for, for specifically for that purpose. Right? There's ideas here that we want to spread out to the world. 
I, I love this, this focus. I also love the, how you start a global conversation around this. Was the youngest person who's going to be paying attention to this? We have very small children who pay attention. And as a matter of fact, every year, our expedition, we have a patch contest for kids oh, up to man. age 12. Oh. The winner this year is a four-year-old <laughs> no named kidding. Gustopher. Who, who's who so inspired the not the particular one no, I, I gave you one, but, they, but the one that the nautilus yeah the one that the nautilus is going to a hand out to all of our participants gustopher lives in a landlocked part of the country and the ocean exploration trust helps to bring him his ocean mm. oh my gosh yeah yeah again another goosebumps moment so he actually when he designed the patch drew his favorite highlight from last season which is a dumbo octopus right oh <laughs> if, oh if uh, i'm going to make a note of that cuz i want to put a picture uh, the dumbo octopus again i'm going to go back yes. to i think my uh, most in- other than being in the water my most interesting experiences with this world is from the TED stage in Monterey. uh, There would be so many people that would come and talk to us. And that's the first time I saw the Dumbo. Uh, Tierney Thays from the National Geographic, she's one of their hundred explorers, uh, did the Moonfish. Mm. Uh, Her big talk about that. Uh, Mike Degree, uh, who's no longer with us, but he did a TED at sea, which was in the Galapagos. So he did a TED talk on on board ship. Nice. Uh, so there's there's a lot. I, I love that. The, so the, the patch this year is a Dumbo octopus, yes. which I love. And the patch I'm looking at here, which I'll take a picture, is the EV off the coast of, this looks like Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah. So I designed my patch this year to reflect my portion of the expedition. But I also wanted to include the part of our coastline that, it, that has you know, our Channel Islands, because that's my home. I live right down in Ventura. Right. And, uh, you know, our council does cover all the way up through Santa Cruz. I didn't want to have the, um, you know, entire state of California in there because our season this year is actually bigger than that. We started up in Canada and have worked our way down the coast. San Diego will be the furthest port south, and then we'll work our way back up the coast this season. So this particular patch that I brought in for you guys today is actually the patch that I will distribute to our Girl Scouts when they participate in programs related to my fellowship this year. So that's the second part. Not only do I have the part where I go to sea, but then I come back and spread the word of what we're doing to our communities through things like what we're doing now or programming through my Girl Scout Council, now, for example. How, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of a fellow through TED. Mm-hmm. Um, the TED Fellows was started five, six years ago, and we just came back from a big thing in Banff, and there were 70 of the fellows there. And there, you have the experience, but then you're meant to go out and spread the word and then actually do that. So tell me more about what does that look like when you come back? So it's it's a variety of different ways. Um, one could be Girl Scout programming. And my fav- favorite way to tackle that is actually to find a partner out in the community who's interested in partnering on that programming. So maybe it's a robotics program that then I can talk about my experience, but then the robotics program can give the girls hands-on experience 
working with them. Wow. Or maybe it's last season we did a program with the Museum of Ventura County because the Nautilus, right after I got off, had two artists who were actually living and working aboard the ship oh, and translating their that? experience into art. And so our theme of that particular program was where science and art collide. And we got to do a live interaction with the artists aboard the ship and talk about how the science was informing their artistic process. Will you, um, I want to make sure that um, we have links so that someone who wants to, how, how long will the exploration be? Is it a the week exploration long or continue. Two weeks well, or? I will be aboard the ship for two weeks Got from it. August 1st to 14th. The season continues on through September 12th, I believe, this year. And then the ship will, you know, go dark over the winter and then we'll fire up again late next spring. I don't have an exact date on that, but we do explore during the late spring, early summer. And how long are you a fellow? One year or? You're a fellow for a period of a year. So I was a fellow for the first time last year and came back and applied this year as a lead fellow. A little bit more responsibility, helping to mentor and guide the the new fellows. And uh, it was such a fabulous experience. I had to jump at it. I'm going to say, how would you not want to be a fellow next year and the year after? Right. Well, I'm sure that that's the case. They have to put a limit on some point because then otherwise nobody knew would ever get to participate. No, no, I get that. That's uh, (laughs) – I want to know what the must-pack thing is that you've over the years now you've developed a, yeah. what you take with you on the boat. Good, What's, good yeah. question. Well, you know, um, there's cameras up all around the ship in different common areas. Obviously, not in places like your bunk or the bathroom mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so our must pack are our uniform items. Mm-hmm. So the the polo I'm wearing today. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are provided with a couple of t-shirts, khakis, whether it's shorts or pants. Um, so those are must pack. Closed-toed shoes. Because mm-hmm. there's different parts aboard the ship that you have to have the closed-toed shoes for safety. C-sec meds, mm-hmm. e- whether you get seasick or not, important. Last year, um, I day three got cocky and said, ah, I'm fine. I don't need them. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I discovered I needed to keep them in my system. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend that. Um, and then depending on how you're going to spend your time off watch, you know, computer, uh, iPad, you know, things like that. Um, so we work four-hour watches, which means you're on four hours, off eight hours, on four hours, off eight hours. Mm, wow. So, you know, you may have the 8 to 12 watch or the 12 to 4 or whatnot. Um, and so those eight hours that you're off, one of them you're going to sleep and the other you have projects that you may be working on. For the OET, one of the things that um, I'm doing this year is I've actually um, worked with the Ventura County Star, and we did a six-part series Hmm. last year, and so we're going to do it again this year. Hmm. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of writing on my off time. So when you say you have cameras up, are you talking about that you've got cameras that are streaming to the web, like live live webcams? All the th- oh, okay. Yeah. So if you go to um, nautiluslive.org, yeah, there uh, is a constant feed. Mm. And so if the organi- uh, if the um, sorry ship is is in the process of you know diving, not the ship, but the ROVs right. are mm. diving, um, then the feed consists of what the two ROVs their views are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also uh, in our third feed that you see on Nautilus Live, uh, they call it the quad cam. And mm. so it's got those two views plus maybe a view of um, whatever the sensors are looking at it, maybe a sonar map or something like that. Mm. And then sometimes a view of the, the um, bridge or the galley, the bridge or, or even the, the control van huh. or huh. things like that. Um, but when the ship is in transit 
or uh, something's going on that we're not actually diving. There's actually different cameras out in different parts of the ship. So it was interesting last season. You know, I would go out on the back deck to take photos of a nice sunset, and I'd get back, and I'd get an email from my mom. Hey, I just saw you on the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good thing I didn't, you know, pick my nose or something. You're suddenly in Big Brother reality television. Right, a little bit, a little bit. I want to ask about um, our listener knows this one of my favorite things to ask about, which is this all sounds fantastic, right? It's all amazing, right? Yes. There's a dragon in this story somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I Where's the I was listening to a podcast on the way up today oh, and I so. heard you mention dragons. So the dragons would be the challenges, right? Yeah. Uh funding. Uh, okay. You know, every year I know Dr. Ballard is out scrambling for funding. Yeah. Um the logistics of this operation blow my mind. I just I the bet. detail of right. what they need to put together in terms of all of the you know, permits and, and working with the ports and all the personnel and the transfers and simple things like food and fuel. I mean, when, when we went to the Galapagos last year, um, the restrictions put on by the park to help, mm. you know, maintain the pristine nature of the park mm. were tremendous. We had to get the hull cleaned of the ship and mm. spent time in Panama waiting for people to come out and actually clean the hull. Um, we couldn't have food with seeds you know, in case it accidentally got imported onto the the Galapagos, so people came and and sh- searched this ship head to toe to make sure we didn't have no contraband. Kidding. Yeah, yeah, and contraband in this case, they're That's looking for seeds. That's why I like to ask seeds. the question because we don't <laughs> we don't hear about. Yeah, those things, these right? are things I would have never thought of, but right. just the logistical challenges to me are overwhelming. Let alone, you know, is the technology working? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's and and when you're at sea. There's no running down to the auto parts store to pick up a, an O-ring, right? right. I mean, it's it, you. Hopefully, you brought it. Either that, or you're MacGyvering it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, I'm really impressed with the various people who are the engineers aboard the ship, working on the vehicles or working on the video huh. system How or the satellite system. Ship? It's 211 feet long. Wow. Uh, 48 people can be birthed on the ship at once, wow. 17 of which are permanent crew. You know, they, well, they rotate them through, but they're, they're crew members mm-hmm. um, who, you know, tend to the functions of the ship itself. The other how's 31... The f- how's the food? It's excellent. Oh. It's excellent. So, so the, um, there's, there's a couple of people who work in the kitchen. Um, one of the, the people who work in the kitchen is one of my favorite people aboard the ship. Her name is Yana, and she is like our, our ship mother. <laughs> um, she makes excellent food, um, takes care of laundry, makes sure everyone's feeling well, and is just a, a star. She's amazing. I um, I ask food because I I'm deeply interested in it, but I think it's such a huge component of the success of a venture yes. when we've got a bunch of people together. Like if the food's great, then all the other things are going to be great. But mm-hmm. not everyone agrees with that. Right. Uh, there is a there's a new podcast. I don't know if you've listened to this, Patrick. It's Malcolm Gladwell's. Yeah, you've mentioned it. Yeah, Revi- I'm revisionist yeah. history, and he did. Uh, he's done. He'll do ten, and he's mm-hmm. just drip dripping that once a week. But this week was about how it, it, I won't give it all away, but it's about the food at two colleges, mm-hmm. Vassar and another college, and how one the food is very important and what it means, and how the other it's decidedly not focused on right and that's then go from there right and he and you're like you're i can't wait to hear the next (laughs) show 
Yeah. So that's why I asked about the food yeah. because you're in a you you don't have any options, and especially if you know you're on a seed based diet, yeah. you know that would be <laughs> because we can't have any seeds. But um, so the food is great. So I like it. you said. There are 48 people, 17 on the per- permanent crew, but then the... Thir- the other 31 are members of what's called the science team. So that may be Got scientists, it. fellows like myself, the uh, engineers who, you know, run all the equipment, the video transient. engineers. Yes, very transient. Um, people may be on board for a week. They may right. be on board for four, five, six weeks or more, depending on their role on the ship. Um, but, uh, you know, just as a... As a statement of how what high quality this program is, is that there are volunteers who come back year after year after year and continue to volunteer. So they're not volunteer. fellows; they're volunteers. Uh, in some of these cases, they're volunteers. In some of these cases, they're interns. In some of these cases, um, they are um, paid staff of the OET or other organizations that are partnering on that particular leg of the expedition. But, you know, I met people who take time off PTO every year um, to go and volunteer aboard the ship. And it's oh, their highlight imagine. of their year. Oh, a- absolutely. I can imagine that that is that's the big thing you look forward to all year long. And yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is that. What a treat. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's remarkable is that Dr. Ballard has recognized the fact that women are so underrepresented in STEM fields. Mm, and mm. so he actually has a mandate that 55 percent of the staff that are hired will be women and will be women in places of authority and able to make decisions. So authority and leadership. And um, by doing that, he's hoping to help level the playing field. And I, I just find that remarkable, not only as a woman, as a representative of Girl Scouts and uh, as a scientist. Let's go back to Girl Scouts for a second and STEM. And there's kind of an ongoing question about women in leadership, but women in technology. And I mean, so I'm going to guess you're right in the middle of that conversation. Right. How are we doing? We're doing better. You know, it's sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Um, because sometimes we say, okay, great, we're doing well, and then we take the pressure off and, and we have a little bit of black, backsliding. Um, but I would say that we are seeing, you know, slow gains. I think traditionally when women have pursued STEM careers, um, it has been in what is sometimes derided as more of the soft sciences, you know, um, medicine, nursing, biology, warm and fuzzy types of things. We don't see a lot of women in physics, for example, or higher mathematics, engineering. And so those are some of those um, sciences that have been perceived as maybe being more difficult. They tend to still be very male-dominated. And so, you know, women breaking into those fields have faced those challenges of feeling like an outsider. So we're still having some gains in those areas, Hmm. but it is slow. And so I appreciate it when someone like Dr. Ballard takes that conscious decision and takes that conscious move to make sure that women are being recruited heavily in those harder fields that engineering and you know I see uh, the one of the VPs at the OET Allison um, hop right up on the crane mm. to help operate mm. the crane to, to lift Hercules mm. you know off the deck and, and Hercules is mm. one of the ROVs and down into the water and I look at that and I go Wow. Yep, there you go. That's amazing. That's leadership. Exactly. You you got me thinking about Sylvia Earle. Yes. And for for those of you who don't know, Sylvia Earle 
won the TED Prize a few years ago and was granted her wish, you know, which is around saving uh, these great spaces in the ocean. Did you, I think it was maybe two years ago, a documentary was made on her life and we premiered it here at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Have you seen that I film? I have not, but she is another one. Put it one. on your list. Yeah, she's another one who's on my heroes list. Yeah, very much. Um, I, I like her rallying cry of no blue, no green. Yep. You know, the idea yep. that oceans are so fundamental to life on our planet. You know, 71% of our planet is covered by ocean. And so really when we say planet Earth, it's, it's kind of a misnomer. Uh, you know, and and not only not only is so little of our planet, you know, Earth, um, but we're all so crowded into the spaces that we do have. There's a lot of vast empty space that we're not utilizing. So it's um, she she is definitely a big hero of mine because I think that we forget about how vital the ocean is because it's just this expanse of water and we don't know what's under there. Mm. So that's why this exploration program is so important because people can see what's under there and they can see how it's vital and how it's applicable to their that's own so lives. I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to dedicate a window on my computer from August first. <laughs> And I will be, uh, I'll put some facial recognition software in play and we'll be looking for you and waving. Um, well, I won't be able to see you, but what you can do is there is a uh, field right beneath the monitor where, or right beneath where you can see what's going on that can you chat. can type in and you can During do so. You have four to say, hours on. yes, and you'll have to say, hey, and I'll do a little shout out. Hey, a little shout out. Yeah, <laughs> yo, Santa Barbara. That's right. Um, we don't, we tend to not get into politics on the show. Um, because also the show goes, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a global show. But I'm curious, if we were to have a woman president in the United States, do you think that the people like Ballard who care about more, and this conversation about more women in leadership positions, is going to get more um, play? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I, I hope that we don't see the opposite that happens because I think that, and again, I, I don't want to get too political either, but I think that when Obama was elected, there was a conversation in our country that, oh, we're, we're, we're post-racial now. We're good. Mm -hmm. We figured out all of our racial issues. Yeah, that didn't and happen. And we clearly have not. Right. So I hope that we don't see the opposite thing happen where people That's go, yeah, oh, we've point. got a female president. Oh, you women, we're you're good. all caught up now. We're good. We're even. Because we're not. Women are still not paid as much. And and I saw that one of your recent guests was Hannah Beth Jackson, who's yeah. done amazing work on that front. Um, very, very happy that California tends to be a leader for the nation in you know, some of our regulation and policies that we try it out here. It's fabulous. It works and it rolls out across the nation. So um, I, I hope that that's the case, that we do see the conversation happening more and that we don't see the flip side of now nah, you're good. You, you got a woman. Now let's stop talking about it. I want to thank you so much for all the work you're doing. I mean, I, and I hope people or I hope parents are thanking you. Thank you. Uh, that that come up. I know what it's like to work with with young people and run into the parent 10 years later at the store. And they say, did you know that John's working at DreamWorks now? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. I mean, that's that's why I, I mean, that's the what's yeah. in it for me. Thank you so much. How do how do people find you out there on the interweb? So we've talked about the uh, OET. So that's the Ocean Exploration Trust. 
what and what the site is we talked about that nautiluslive.org that's where people can go yes and then what about the girl scouts so the girl scouts can be found at girlscoutsccc.org right the ccc central standing coast, for california, california central coast yeah, got it um and then my expedition i'll also be you know covering like i said through the vc star through our girl scouts blog i'll be writing on that as often as i can squeeze that in and uh, i also am on social media so so, uh, you know, I'll be hitting my Twitter feed, which is Melissa underscore Baffa. Got it. We um, and, and because you listen to the very end of those shows, you know what's coming next. I didn't quite make it to the end of the See? show. See, that was a t- that was a, a trick question there, <laughs> you listener. Know, you know, I, I I was I was listening to the Hannah Beth thing, and I was a little nervous, and she was starting to talk about some of the the different issues that were going on when you recorded when you recorded the interview, yeah. including Orlando, and I I started to get a little bummed out, and I said, no, I'm mm-hmm. not getting into the right headspace, so I actually consciously Smart, turned good, it off. Good and, move. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what we do at this end of the show <laughs> is that. Um, I'm w- once it's recorded and up, I'm going to send you a link and you're going to send it out to your millions of viewers. Oh, you know right, it. Right. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to come and have listened to this. Yes. And they found it because you said, hey, come listen to this. Now yeah. they go, God, that was really good. I'll have another. So they look at the list of shows and they don't know any of the people. How do they decide what to pick? So there's titles. So there's 100 titles to pick from. So what we like to do is give the guest the honor of naming this conversation. Oh. So that when someone else who's come in from another show sees this and goes, oh, i got to listen to that one next, what would we call this show? Oh, let's call it, uh, let's see. How about The Wonder of Ocean Exploration? Okay. The wonders, wonder, wonder. Wonder of ocean exploration. I love it. (laughs) We had um, the guy who was the founder of Ocean.com was on the show, uh, Michael. And he does a a program during the summer out at UCSB with um, underwater cinematographers and documentaries. And so they do, so our listener can, if you like this, you can go and listen to that one next. Um, that was just fantastic. It's that a, one's a really, next on really, my list. There you go. Great do show. Do you remember what that one was called? Uh, I will uh, I will Google that. Okay. And yeah. uh, put it up. <laughs> I'll look it up on the list. It'll, it'll be there. We're, <laughs> we're at the point where I can't keep them all in my core memory anymore. I hear which you. is, that's something. In fact, he records in this building. We're in oh. the Balboa building. So he's... Uh, his shop is here. He got to work with um, with Mike Degree, who I mentioned earlier. Um, is fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank we appreciate you. It. And listener, uh, we have Girl Scout cookies here. <laughs> uh, the, some people only think about Girl Scouts; they think about cookies. And I uh, hopefully we've given them some other things to think about. Absolutely. Uh, today, so I want to also thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press and Cielo 24. The 805 Connect project, now in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. want to thank them as well. More information is at 805connect.com. Patrick, our listener has been waiting to hear yeah. how they could help us. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, listening back through this episode, uh, you know, the best thing that we could have is to have informed politicians who know how to distribute funding better. Uh, uh. And if we could get more funding towards ocean research, uh, it would definitely be a good thing so that um, 
so that researchers can stop hunting for funding and instead just do the research that they need to do that is so valuable to us. So why not this? Uh, call that politician that you know, because you probably know a politician, and get them listening to this show. Get them subscribed, because a better uh, informed politician is a more powerful and useful one. So uh, put a politician on your on your email list and, and get them subscribed to the show. That's my advice this week. I l- I'm going to go do that because I happen to know a couple of them and uh, we'll have them listen. So thank you very much for that. I would love to hear from you personally, um, just like Melissa reached out and suggested that um, it might be a good conversation. I would say it was you introduce yourself. Send me a note to mark at 805connect.com and let me know what you like about the show or an idea that you have uh, for a topic that we could focus on. So, until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 